welcome to Business Talk Sister Rock. I'm Becca and today's podcast episode title is What is Loan Packaging Part 2? And if you missed the first episode with this series, you should go back and listen to it. And overall, this is a bigger series on the worth of a business and the different ways that people, investors and businesses and, and loan officers all look at that worth. So this is definitely a fun conversation with me today. Again, I have Wayne Kangas. So thanks so much for being here. Glad to be here. Yeah. And we've just been talking about what that looks like to get a loan package together. What uh, ratio of it needs to be actual debt versus um, maybe owner investment or gap funding, all that kind of stuff. That's all part of packaging, right? Yeah. it's It, it all comes together. And that, that's why I just refer to it broadly as it needs to be designed because it has to work for the business First and foremost, it has to work for the owner. It has to work for all of the stakeholders or people that are involved with it, the team. So it, it, it's it's part of the preparation and in, in figuring out how, how, to, how are you going to get this put together so you can actually take this business to the next level or start, take this idea to to the market or, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so there there's a lot of, very variance in in how the, how that's designed because it's also it also might not be all of it at one time it might be structured into uh, tranches or different groupings of of money at different times yeah and i'm just going to clarify tranches because first of all anybody in business who uses the word tranche and you have to take notes on it i hate writing the word tranche because I always felt wrong but um that's like a phase like in this phase you can get this much money or like you need to accomplish these things before other people will release additional funding for you to keep your business moving forward right is that kind of what you talk about when it comes to loan packaging yeah yeah okay just want to be clear on that because sometimes people don't realize that that's actually part of the process Mm -hmm. and I think too What's surprising to me that you mentioned is that when a person has an idea or a business wants to go after something, uh, you were saying that the bank will not actually give you 100% of what you need to actually start your business. Mm-hmm. Is that is that like something that shocked you when you first started getting into this? No, I mean, it's it, 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 if you think about any form of lending outside of a vehicle, general, uh, most loans broadly broadly speaking most loans you there you're never usually very rarely are you getting a hundred percent yeah well i think most people are used to like the 10 percent or 20 percent down for like yeah. first time home buyer house right. or things like that that's that's the typical concept of what people's experiences with loans are yeah. and and it's, it tends to be the same thing with businesses now depending on what the business is if you're if you're looking at acquisitions and some of those other things, it, it, there's it can get a little bit more complicated and what that looks like because of assets on a balance sheet or the and how the valuation of the business is really put together. But uh, I I just really urge people that if they're putting together something, they just need to plan a minimum. They have to come up with. 20% in cash or in some other other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that for bigger businesses and in general, I mean, 20% cash is actually pretty significant for some of the um, businesses out there that could be purchased or 
start it up, especially if it's like manufacturing or whatever, those things can get pretty pricey. So getting your 20% down could be saying, I'm going to give 5% of my equity to you for additional financing or to be the uh, guarantor on my loan, um, which we talked about last week. If you missed that conversation, definitely go back and talk, uh, listen to that. So what's the typical process that uh, lenders follow in order to be considered for the loan? And, and how do you prepare everything within that package to get there? Yeah. So I think the, the first, I'll, I'm going to point out that the one of the most imp- the, the first places that people should start when they're looking at putting they, they feel as though they're ready and they want to start the process is they should start with the bank that they are already working with. Okay. So like for their personal stuff, start with the easiest or, relationship yeah. where, that you have mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in, in the, in the banking realm. Okay. And, and that's, that's, also, that's kind of first, the first thing, because I think a, a lot of people get stuck in, well, where do I go? Okay. And depending on the, on, on what financial institution you're working with, they might say, we don't do that, but you can talk to this person at this bank or this person at this place. Yeah. And I think that's, that's an important point to make that it actually does really first and foremost, it's not about money. It's about relationship because that initial banker that refers you knows your financial history and what you have done to build rapport. So having a banker who refers you to somebody who may be a better fit for the loan that type that you're looking to take out, um, it's a lot softer of a conversation when you have a good reputation with your the person who's referring you, right? Right. Yeah, no, that's really good advice. So even if you know they don't have a loan that's gonna fit your business, it would be best to start with them anyways just because they can vouch for your uh, credibility, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. So and then kind of so moving on is that as as we mentioned in the previous our uh, our last week's episode, episode. Mm-hmm. that really to to get things moving, you need to have the business plan, the financial projections, that that forecast of how the how the 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 economics of it's going to work the money is going to work the revenue your profitability and then your tax history or the business's tax history that's you you at a minimum you have to come prepared with those things uh and you know part of that you you have articles of incorporation It, it it varies depending on how your business is structured as well but generally you know your your tax ID number, your business tax ID number. You need to have your um, operating agreement is helpful to have in pl- in place. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but that's in in my opinion that should be inclusive of the business plan. Mm-hmm. That's part of part of it. That's part of the preparation. So getting as much of that done greatly impacts how long it takes. Because I can tell you that if you go in there without any of those things done, you're pro- it's probably going <clears> to, <throat> what I found is that it takes people months to get those things together. Mm-hmm. So instead of going there bef- before you're prepared, get prepared and then go. Mm-hmm. Because it also speaks 
to your ability, First impression. Mm-hmm. your ability to actually execute on what you're saying. If you, if you, there's a big difference between walking into a bank and talking to a lender with saying, Hey, I'm looking at starting this business. And they're like, all right, these are the things I need. And they're, you're like, okay, I'll get those to you. And then two or three months later, you get them that stuff. There's a big difference between that and walking in and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm looking to start this business. Uh, I'm looking for some financing to help me put put this together so I can get started. And they say, I need this documentation and you hand it to them. Mm-hmm. When you hand it to them, that says a lot about you and it says a lot about your idea. Yeah. It makes a huge difference being prepared in that way. And I can I can tell you from all of the different things that I've worked on, if you do it that way, your success rate in increases exponentially because immediately they it it gives you validity in what you're doing Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that that was another piece that i wanted to talk about is when you go um to look at additional banks let's say um how do you how do you identify which ones are going to be a good fit for the type of uh, funding that you're looking for well i think first and foremost you you also should look at your interviewing somebody that you want to have a long-term relationship with as well. So mm-hmm. if it's the lender, the institution itself, you you have you have the ability to make that decision and engage because it will if, if you find somebody that you trust and you like working with, that long term is very valuable. Mm-hmm. So not only are they interviewing you, but you're also interviewing them. Like, do I want to work with this bank? Do I want to work with this person? And it's also important to not just talk to one. Mm. Yeah. So no matter what, once you do that first one, the the process isn't all that different when you go from institution to institution. Why do you compare them? That's a question I have. Because bank size matters, you know, depending on the size of the bank. Their lending limits are different. Their requirements can be on on the back end as they're as they're looking at um, and assessing risk. Those are those can be different depending on the bank. Mm-hmm. Now there's some st- some some things that are standardized. It's just how they how they assess the risk in okay. the portfolio. And I think what what's going to happen in the future is that's going to start changing. What do you mean uh, by that? That it's going to start to evolve because there's fewer and fewer businesses that are dependent upon physical space and physical assets. Okay. And a lot of lenders today are tied directly to hard assets. Yep. Because they want the collateral to cover their risk. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because so you're building, keeps them safe if they're going to help you loan money to start a business right so that i think that's an important thing too is collateral collateral the you know a bank and a lending institution really they want to see collateral if that's equipment if it's if it's um so uh, for some people they have to put if they have equity in their home they use their their equity in their home as a as collateral um in in investments etc can all be used as collateral to back up that debt something that the that helps if something was to go wrong that the bank can then 
they're able to get their money that they they gave you to do this they can get that money back in mm-hmm. some way that's why they like the collateral but it's going to be really i think what's going to happen is that there's going to be a shift in f- um the way things are put together in packaging design it's going to change because of the types of businesses that mm-hmm. are starting and we're because we're yes there's always going to be hard asset lenders and that's not going away, but I think there's going to be an evolution in how things are put together, and it's I, I don't think it's that far off. Yeah, it's already happening. No, yeah, and I think I think you're right in that, um, especially with people all working remotely or all these different businesses you can do from your house. There's a lot there, uh, so I wanted to talk back. I wanted to circle back to when you said you need to think through every scenario with your business plan, and I think uh, from conversations we've had in the past, past oh goodness. <laughs> Uh, you're basically trying to get across, you need to have an answer to every question that may be posed in this interview where someone could say no, right? And right. is that what you're talking about? Yeah, so I think a good a good exercise when you, to, a, a really good exercise to do when you think, when you believe that you are ready and prepared is to imagine six months in the future and asking yourself to yourself in six months into the future, why did this fail? What did I miss? Mm. Why did this fail? And then if there's nothing, then you're prepared. You're probably prepared. Right. But then it's taking it further and saying a year out, why did this fail? If, if you can't come up with something that's reasonable, like it's the, a comet hit the earth, an asteroid hit the earth. That's why this failed. Like if that's, if you're getting into the realm of pretty super low risk, (laughs) like probably not going to happen. Yeah. If it did happen, we have, you have greater concerns, Mm -hmm. but realistically and going out. And if you can get to three years, I mean, even, even one year, if you can get to one year, you're probably pretty solid. But if you can get to three years in that exercise and say, I can't figure out what would really cause a collapse in my business. Mm-hmm. If you can, you're, you're prepared, you're ready. Mm-hmm. And I think that, yeah, there's different, different ways to think through that. Um, like, is it an economic condition? Is my business so specifically targeted to one group of people say tourism that if we have a recession will i be able to survive am i diversified enough will the bank think that this is too many eggs in one basket basically mm-hmm. would be where you're, you're really needing to make sure that you've thought about every angle of how you can make sure that you're stable through any kind of uh external situation yeah right yep absolutely yeah so I guess my next question for you is, are there banks that specialize in certain types of loans or industries that would be better at evaluating the worth of a business or technology than, than others when looking at packaging for funding? <laughs> the, there, yes. I mean, it, it, can, it can vary greatly from institution to institution. I would say if you're, you're in more rural areas or smaller lenders they're they're going to still they're going to want assets they like manufacturing they like whatever the the main supporting industry 
uh, of the localized economy, that's that's going to be what they do. That's their very bread experienced. And yeah, in that area, and that's where they're comfortable. Uh, you know, but it it comes back. The, like, there are people that lend to all sorts of that have all sorts of different specialties. It's not always easy to find them. So that's where design and packaging comes in is because you have to really, really uh, organize it in a way where you, you maybe you, you, there are scenarios where you would potentially use multiple lenders for different parts. Mm. Right. So I'm going to back up, I'm going to back up. And, okay. and talk about sources and uses. Okay. Uh, so sources and uses is actually really, really, really important for the, the lender. It's part of the business plan. Okay. What does it mean? So sources and uses are these are the this is the funding that the sources are the it should total the total amount of funding that you need. Mm-hmm. And then it's organized into I'm going to use this much money for this thing. Okay. And I'm going to use this much money for this thing, which is the, the, the use for or, or what you're using that for the uses. Mm-hmm. So the sources of the capital, where is that coming from? That's the packaging design and where it's going to, what it's going to be utilized for. Mm-hmm. So you might have a, a building equipment operating capital mm-hmm. or various structures. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be very specific equipment, but that, that's actually very, very, very important in terms of going back to preparation and what you should have coming in, that's really what yeah. a lender wants to see and then they validate that. Well, validate and that. I think that's a really good point to make that if you, this is the first time you've ever started a business and you don't even know how long the process should take for say a one employee, full-time employee to um, manufacture whatever it is or to serve on, wait on customers. If you don't know those numbers for the industry, it's really, really difficult to justify to the bank that you're going to use, say, $50,000 for payroll and you're the only person there. Um, but, okay, then you realize you need more support. Then you don't have enough money budgeted there. So really getting some good numbers on the industry, like how how much does payroll cost typically on a coffee shop that has X number of seats for capacity and is flowing this many people through every single day, right? And if you don't know those numbers, it's gonna be really hard to justify to the bank that, or to whatever lender you go with, that your numbers mean that they'll work and you're not overpaying or underpaying um, the, the staff and accounting for all of the other things that you need to do to make sure that you're keeping up on the actual um, building and, and everything for the business itself. Yeah. And I, I, th- I think one common thing that I have found, depending on what the, the business is, but a, I think a lot of people set this target and they want to accomplish that target immediately. Like so they want to go out and start the business now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's use manufacturing example. They want they, they have this product that they've come up and they want to do all the manufacturing themselves. It's generally, from what I found, unless they're independently wealthier or networked in a way that can allow for them to access capital in alternative ways, mm-hmm. it's generally not in their best interest to start manufacturing right out of the gate. 
mm-hmm. and utilizing partners or people that are already working in in these specific areas, fabricators, um, other manufacturers that can make parts and pieces for you is to utilize that. Right, because then you don't have all that extra overhead. You just have a straight cost. This is how much it costs to manufacture right now Mm -hmm. based on all of the pieces I need to get ordered or whatever. Yeah, because I I think one thing is is that can, it can trap business owners in, in their business very quickly is having their operations too big out of the gate. Mm. Yeah, because they haven't even streamlined the processes to become efficient at yeah. that point. And so you're just building efficiency, inefficiencies into a massive scale that's really hard to control. Yeah. So, cause, so it's, it's scale gradually that way until you have that designed and figured out. And then you're also building a track record. Yeah. Right? So if you want to be successful, don't, don't jump to the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I think that that's something that I, I've definitely experienced with a lot of people where they say, well, I'm just worried that people don't think I'm selling enough to be able to show that I'm, I do have a viable business. And it's like, well, that's not where you should be worried. You should be worried that your customer has a great experience mm-hmm. first and foremost yeah. or whatever. Because if you all of a sudden start selling things, let's say, um, on the Internet or whatever, and you're shipping things to people's houses and they're getting their broken or you're, they're getting their... Um, contaminated because it was in the hot sun or whatever and you don't have that figured out you've lost that customer for life even though it was a a short-term sale and so those are really important things to make sure you have tested and tested and tested before you scale because otherwise you have so many inefficiencies and you're going to be losing money hand over fist yeah and so so there's a lot of a lot that goes into figuring that out because it really depends what you're doing Mm -hmm. in the market that you're in because what might seem very slow to you is actually the appropriate pace you should be taking Mm -hmm. because you're collecting it's actually research and data and you're making your decisions based off this data even though it seems painfully slow right (laughs) and i think that builds value and trust to the bank too yeah so it's okay to pace yourself slow at first but there are other markets where the metrics where you're entering let's say i'm I'm working with uh some people right now in a team right now and they're looking at developing an app and taking it to market well their targets are 50,000, 100,000 users in a, in a very, very short period of time. Mm-hmm. But in the greater, broader m- market for this this specific app, mm-hmm. that's actually very slow pace. Okay. Right. So it's important to acknowledge, like, what is the actual market opportunity in terms and how and how, and then how you're scaling and how you're measuring how you're measuring success because you also have to you have to be realistic with that mm-hmm. and then that helps you prepare yeah right, well, what are you putting together okay so one last question for you before we transition to the gawk portion uh can you give any kind of resources or advice that if you want to learn more about loan packaging, here's where you should go, what books you should read, YouTube videos, whatever, um, what would be helpful for people to understand? Yeah, I, I think there are a lot of resources in most areas. There are uh, the small business development centers, which is which are, are part of the SBA. I think that's a good place to talk to because they can give you the initial guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, is it is it a perfect format? No, I mean nothing's really that perfect. But I think getting some guidance in in from those resources because they can they have a lot of resources and and trainings and and stuff mm-hmm. that they can help people with. I think starting starting in there. But I would say be, before anybody really does anything, they the the bi- most important thing is just focus on the business plan if you have the business plan then go to your your start with your local banker mm-hmm. because they're it's so local it's different depending on where you are what what's available to you mm-hmm. and you know that lender can du- give you direction in that localized manner or or the the sbdc Mm-hmm. represents they know a lot they, they they have about the resources yeah they yeah. have access to the resources they're already talking to these people mm-hmm. so that's a that's a really good place to start for most people now if it, it also depends on scale if you're talking about something of, of a larger scale mm-hmm. something that's you know you're commercializing uh some new technology or things like that that's that's there's there's a whole nother world of how you put that together <laughs> if you're talking about real estate that's a whole nother way to put it together and you know no industry is the same in a lot of ways <laughs> the resources vary okay. depending on what you're doing right industry sector yeah. market area it the, it all de- is dependent upon like all of these different factors so I think really starting with a lender, starting with an SBDC, SBDC or, or something of the like that's located, even in, even looking for CDFIs, mm-hmm. community development financial institutions that we talked about in the last episode, looking for those and starting there because they have a lot, also have a lot of resources. Yeah. And they have a lot of relationships that you can work with. Yeah. So. Well, thank you for being with me today. Seriously, yeah. Appreciate it. Um, we're going to transition now to the gawk portion of this episode, and I am really excited about it. So I'm going to tell you a story today uh, about actually something. So Wayne and I have known each other for a while, and Wayne really loves just international food in general, I would say. <laughs> but you have a specific soft spot for kimchi, right? I like Korean food. I am more. <laughs> Korean adoptee and I was deprived of many Korean foods for most of my life so I thoroughly enjoy kimchi and other Korean yeah he's got his own recipes for these things okay and um I just remember one time you were like so adamant that like I hadn't tried kimchi and I needed to go for the record kimchi is like pickled cabbage it's fermented yeah it's like a a sauerkraut in some ways but like way more flavorful yeah it does go great on brats yeah that's fair yeah that's true you probably could put it probably a little Mm. little twist to your next brat anyway so i bought some kimchi at the grocery store because i saw it there which is surprising where we live not a lot of places sell it and i was like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna try it well i didn't realize it was a topping of sorts i thought it was supposed to be like a side dish so i tried to eat it plain and was like this is not working for me yeah i mean you really shouldn't start that like if it's your first entry in do not just eat it plain it's yeah i mean if you're if your palate isn't 
used to different things you generally it don't would want. be like eating like a bowl of sauerkraut like <laughs> it's just not something you start with <laughs> well i blame you because it probably your meal probably wasn't appropriately and completely put together correctly okay yeah it no it was not so <laughs> i didn't like know what to make it with though so i ha- i think i made like some kind of asian dish and had it on the side but then i also realized that some of the kimchi they come as the full like cabbage leaf and they're not chopped up so that was the confusing part i think that it was like oh it's like a side dish um but yeah shredded cabbage with the kimchi seems to be a little bit easier to to chew like on top of kimchi is like a food grip group it's like a style of yeah okay so so there's like lots of different types yeah so what what do you normally use it with what do you put it on besides brats uh, everything. <laughs> okay. Everything. Okay. But like, what's I will. A good I will recipe? literally just t- eat kimchi with rice. That's it. But, wow. Okay. But I it's th- really good if you if you have pork belly or bacon, mm-hmm. and then you fry it in that gr- in the bacon fat or grease. Interesting. And you put it in some rice and that and 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 a lettuce leaf and wrap it up in. Ooh, that sounds really good. I should try that. It's pretty good. Well, there you go. If you are interested in trying some kimchi, uh, there's Wayne's recipe for you. (laughs) Thank you for joining us this week. If you enjoyed this series about the worth of a business, you should give the podcast a review on Spotify, Business Talk, Sister Crack, and I will see you next week.